and welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm Lydia Serrani in for Greg Kelly tonight. Let's take a live look right there at the Capitol tonight where the House GOP is meeting behind closed doors to hear from eight speaker candidates today. It now marks 20 days without a House speaker. The House has now gone through three rounds of voting so far. Will they ever make a unified decision? Congressman Chip Roy supports uh, Congressman Byron Donald's bid, but he is uh, open-minded. I think we need to focus on making sure someone's going to lead this party in the right direction. Uh, we'll get in here. We'll hear from all nine. Uh, there's a number of good guys. There's a number of, of those guys that I could support on the floor. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Well, you heard him just say nine there, but just a few hours ago, Congressman Dan Muser of Pennsylvania dropped out of the race, now leaving eight congressmen vying for that gavel. Many of those speaker contenders coming to Newsmax in the last few days to tell America why they're the best man for the job. That I've thrown my hat in the ring to run for Speaker of the House. Look, let's be very clear. Our House right now, we're having some issues. Uh, we can repair those issues, but it requires us to be unified, number one, go back to business and secure our border, actually fund this government responsibly, and then continue to lay out that conservative vision for the people who sent us here. Well, I believe I could and believe I can. So, you know, I think what our, our members of our conference are looking for is somebody that's got a broader depth of leadership, something different. So I have this experience in Republican leadership for 10 years raising millions of dollars for our party and bringing a strong national finance team to our aid. I think I can do that starting knowing what to do day one. Of course, we are closely following the developments on the speaker race and we'll bring you any live updates. We'll also be joined momentarily by a congressman who is in that closed door meeting and will shed a light on where the GOP stands. An internal conference vote will happen at 9 a.m. tomorrow morning and Speaker Pro Tem Patrick McHenry said his intentions is to move to a floor vote as soon as Tuesday. Now, as House Republicans work to make a unified decision, Democrats and, of course, their enablers, the fake news, continue to salivate over the disarray. Republicans keep trying and keep failing to pick a speaker. Republicans in absolute disarray. After nearly three weeks, the House still does not have a speaker, and Jim Jordan has no one to blame but himself. It's frustrating. I, look, it makes me want to cry to think that we are in this moment. We were sent to Congress to govern, to legislate. That House has been closed now for almost three weeks. So dramatic, makes me want to cry. Democrats, as you can see, they're now using this moment to blame Republicans, well, for everything. We know that weakness begets aggression, and no one looks more weak right now than good old Joe Biden, who's now been told to repeat the same tired, ridiculous talking point that it's the Republicans' disagreement in the House that is now putting America in danger. Does the dysfunction that we've seen in Congress increase the danger in the world. Yes. Look, this is not your father's Republican Party. 30% of it is made up of these MAGA Republicans who are maybe, democracy is something I don't, they don't look at it the same way you and I look at democracy. It's not your uh, father's Democrat Party either. I mean, he's grasping at straws, clearly devoid of any reality. In this time of strife all over the world and in the country, strong leadership is needed now more than ever. Yet this was President Biden today. 
And I want to thank Majority Leader Chuck Schumer and Senator Todd Young, and Representative uh, uh, Joe, excuse me, Representative Joe Morelli and Susan Ward, Washington, Susan Wild, for their work to make this happen. Always confused. And now as Biden becomes weaker by the day, the war in the Middle East, it rages on. A ground invasion into Gaza is now imminent. And as hope, though, remains strong that those kidnapped will be saved. Today, Hamas released two elderly Israeli women that were being held hostage. Reportedly, the Red Cross is also efforting the rescue of about 50 people who were also kidnapped by Hamas, and all of them have dual citizenship. Meantime, according to several U.S. officials, the Biden administration has advised Israel to delay a ground invasion of Gaza to buy time for hostage negotiations and allow for more humanitarian aid to reach Palestinian civilians. But how will Biden prevent Hamas, who controls the region, their terrorists, from getting their hands on the $100 million in aid? And how do Democrats not see that all of this would happen? You see, all of this chaos, all of this carnage is a direct result of Joe Biden's failed policies. We said this would happen, but Democrats were were more concerned about mean tweets in order to be a terrorist. Think about it. You, you need, of course, monstrous maniacs. OK, check. But they're they're willing to die for their ideology. Check. But you also need equipment, weapons, supplies, training. And all of that costs money. Lots of it. And the person who enabled Hamas to get their hands on a lot of money, all that money necessary, is none other than Joe Biden, thanks to his war on fossil fuels. Strongly support no more fossil fuel drilling, period, on public lands, and particularly offshore, period. None. No, no more permits. And by the way, no more drilling on federal lands, period. Period, period, period. I said I would not do any new leases on federal land. 90% of the leases are not on federal land. Number one, no more subsidies for fossil fuel industry. No more drilling on federal lands. No more drilling, including offshore. No ability for the oil industry to continue to drill. Period. Ends. Number one. It's clearly the one campaign promise that he's intent on keeping. You see, oil, it's a commodity. It's money. Yet on Biden's first day in office, he canceled vital infrastructure projects like the Keystone oil pipeline. He also issued stricter guidelines on fossil fuel production in an effort to strangle the oil industry out of existence. And even though we need oil for everything from transportation to heating, and we're also seeing the devastating effects of his green new hoax on the American economy with the cost of everything going up from gas to groceries, Biden's team just announced that over the next five years, potential oil and gas lease sales on federal territory will be now the fewest in history with just three. Yes, three. So as our oil output dwindles, who is filling the gap? Iran. Yep, Iran. Couple that with the fact that the Biden administration refuses to enforce oil sanctions against Iran. All of that equals to a lot of mullah for the mullahs. Just how much? $70 billion billion dollars a year, according to a Daily Signal report. Now, when President Trump was in office, Iran was making about six billion a year on oil sales because back then we were energy independent and Trump's administration actually enforced sanctions on Iran. But now Iran is now is selling above two million barrels a day. When Trump was in office, it was about 200,000 a day. Big difference. 
huge. That's a whole lot of money for Iran to do whatever it wants. Adding to all of this, Biden also just lifted oil sanctions on Venezuela, which coincidentally is an ally of Iran. So yes, we need House Republicans to come together and elect a speaker because most importantly, we need them to stop or at least slow down the damage Joe Biden is doing to America and the world. Again, we've now been told that there are eight House Republicans vying for the speaker position. Candidates from across the country, including Byron Donalds of Florida, Majority Whip Tom Emmer of Minnesota, Mike Johnson of Louisiana, all hoping to regain control of the party and help get things done in the House. Was there any progress made tonight? Congressman Hearn, one of the eight in the running, had this to say following the meeting. We had a great turnout. That was really awesome to see that. And they asked really good questions. I mean, questions of concern about where our conference currently is and where it needs to go. And let's go right now to someone who was also in that meeting, Congressman Rich McCormick of Georgia and member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports, sir. Thanks. Good to be with you. So, Congressman, where do we stand? Was there some progress made tonight? Will we see a speaker uh, on, on Tuesday holding that ever important gavel? I'm praying that we do. I think we're all worn out. We're a little bit raw. We had a lot of feelings hurt in the last few weeks. Uh, uh, a couple of things are happening that are kind of sorting things out. We think that uh, there's obviously people who are in leadership that will get a lot of votes. Uh, you can make a case for Tom Emmer. Uh, but can he get consensus? That's always been the question about leadership. You have people like Byron Donalds, who's extremely well-spoken, uh, who's extremely popular with the House Freedom Caucus. Can he get consensus? That's what's really important. Uh, several people who have never really been involved with other people's candidacies, who've never really been involved with uh, the, the being public with their opinions, uh, they're just not going to have the same kind of uh, pull with those people. And I think the dark horse to look after would be Hearn and Johnson. Uh, but I think Emmer's going to be the initial leader. And, and the question is behind closed doors, hopefully, so we don't have to go and listen to more things about Jeffries in public and, and make shameful remarks in front of each other. I hope we get it settled behind closed doors before we go forward with a consensus. With everything going on in the world, we need strong leadership. Now, Congressman, you know, a lot of people are blaming Matt Gates. They blame him for this speaker vacancy. I want you to take a listen to what he said following tonight's meeting just a few moments ago. We had some great candidates in there, and we'll, uh, we'll go from this current group down to our designee, and, and uh, I hope it's a productive endeavor. Uh, there might be one or two who had plans that, that I think were pretty inconsistent with where I think Republicans can go if we want to be a fighting force, but I'd say by and large we had really great candidates, and I'm pretty confident that the person that comes out will, uh, will be able to put it together. What do you think about that? Well, uh, we'll see if he decides to vote along with everybody else uh, once we come behind closed doors. Uh, I, I agree. I think we have a lot of good candidates. I think we have a lot of good intention in there. The question, once again, is what about those holdouts on whether it be the Main Street folks or the House Freedom Caucus people? Uh, can we get a consensus cabinet going forward? Now, the one thing you brought up earlier was the energy uh, policy. We've already passed energy policy in the House. We've also passed a southern border policy. It just needs to be picked up by the Senate. A lot of things that we're arguing over that they say we're paralyzed at the House. We pass those things. Senate, come to the floor and actually do your job and pass those things so we can get on with life on things we already have consensus on. 
And speaking of the energy policies and the sanctions on Iran, what can be done? What can House members do? What can Republicans do to, to stop this insanity? I, I mean, the fact that they're just getting richer and richer by the day. And meanwhile, Joe Biden has declared war on the fossil fuel industry right here. We have all this oil in the ground and we're buying it from our adversaries. It's what I've told my kids all along. You're only responsible for your own actions. We've done our part. We know that good energy policy actually leads to a stronger United States, a cleaner environment. Uh, it disempowers countries like China who have ill intent and who pollute more than anybody else. Uh, it, it makes sure that we're in a position moving forward where people actually can feed their families and get to work, do all the things they need to do. And this whole idea that global warming is caused by carbon emissions alone, I keep on going back to science. I'm a, I'm an ER doc, I'm, a, I'm an aviator, I've done some scientific studies, but 0.04% of the atmosphere is carbon dioxide. Of that, 11% of that is from humans. Of that, 14% is from the United States. Of that, 29% of that is from the entire ability to pollute from transportation, which includes ships, airlines, cars, uh, you name it, airplanes. And, and think about that, how minute that is, 0.00. 0168, I think is what it comes out to. Mm -hmm. That's what you're going to spend a trillion dollars on just to ruin our economy? Are you kidding me? Let's get real and have a good conversation. Right. And, and Congressman, switching gears to the Hamas attack on Israel, as a member of the Foreign Affairs Committee and former Marine and ER doctor, very impressive resume there, by the way, I want to play for you a moment from Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin, what he said yesterday. Could we see similar actions if, if we see Hezbollah or we see Iran uh, start lobbing missiles towards Israel? I mean, are we effectively ready for air cover uh, uh, for, for the Israelis? John, what we're focused on currently is making sure that we're providing the security assistance that Israel needs to defend itself. Very wishy-washy there. What do you think, sir? Just say it. Be strong. Yes, we're going to defend Israel. We've already done it. We've uh, defended them from places from Yemen and Syria. Uh, we're ready to go to war. Uh, we're, we're doing our part. Now, we don't want to put our, our ships uh, our, and our personnel in direct harm's way. But we're already shooting down missiles that are coming from all over the place. Obviously, we're concerned about Hezbollah. We're concerned about folks coming from Yemen. Uh, munitions from all over there are sponsored by Iran. We need to have serious, consequential conversation about what we're going to do with Iran because they are a problem all over the world, especially in this area. It is really frightening what's going on in the world today, and it could have all been prevented. Congressman, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Let's hope by tomorrow night that someone will finally hold that all-important gavel. From your mouth to God's ears. Absolutely. Amen. All right. Who is next? The race for Speaker of the House. It continues, as we've been discussing, with eight contenders in the running. Who will get their name on the Speaker door next? When we come back, we will speak with former Congressman of Georgia, Doug Collins, and pollster John McLaughlin. You're watching Greg Kelly Reports. You know what they say, the key to most things is compromise. Republican Congressman Michael McCall of Texas believe that it's time for both parties to work together to get things done. But is there any possibility that you're just going to need some kind of an arrangement that has Democratic support as well? Uh, this is, uh, you know, discussed. I mean, if you can't get to 217 within our conference. Which is a really not a, not a strange hypothetical. It all seems that floor, way. Yeah. You know, how do you get there? But I think for some, they see that as very dangerous as well. Uh, but you wouldn't rule it out if 
Uh, you yeah. know, look, I'd rather it, it be the Republicans nominating and, and, and voting on the floor for a Republican speaker. But this can't go on forever. I don't know if we're going to have a speaker next week. But here's the thing. How can Republicans and Democrats work together to fill the vacancy when the radical lefties in Congress continue to villainize Republicans every single chance they get? We recognize that Jim Jordan is a clear and present danger to the American people. And we are going to be here for as long as it takes to end this national nightmare. So dramatic. And anyone who, who doesn't agree with their woke ideologies is obviously a clear and present danger. To talk the latest on the speaker race, let's welcome in former Congressman of Georgia, Doug Collins. Also with us, John McLaughlin, pollster of McLaughlin and Associates. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us here tonight on Greg Kelly Reports. Thank you. Uh, Congressman, let's start off with you. Uh, Congressman Bergman of Michigan, one of the eight running, had this to say after the meeting. Take a listen. Great dialogue across a myriad of questions, which there was a really broad range of questions. There was the sharing of ideas, the sharing of priorities. And but what I sensed was a need to move forward because that's what the American people want from us. They want us to come here and work and legislate. So we'll see what happens tomorrow. It sounds like it was a productive meeting, uh, contrary to what the media likes to say. What do you think about it, Congressman? Well, I think you're going to say it sounds like they're all running for office. I mean, everybody's on their best behavior. Everybody says, oh, it went well. We got good questions. And, and now the real fight comes. I mean, look, this is all, you know, just a, a, a portrayal before the media, which was good. I'm glad they had the meetings tonight. I'm glad it was attended well. The question will become when they start voting in the morning, how quickly they can narrow this down to a speaker designate, how quickly they get there, and then what the number is for that speaker designate. Watch for that number tomorrow. If that number is still in the 120s, 120, if it's down to two people, 130 in that number, this is still a process that's going to have to work itself out. So uh, I'm glad they had a good meeting tonight. I'm glad they talked about productive things. This should be happening, should have been happening all along, but they've still got to vote somebody to actually get that 217 number. Absolutely. Now, John, 67 uh, percent of respondents in a new poll say that we need to elect a new speaker as soon as possible. Do you think pressure from constituents will actually factor into this for everybody to get along and just make a unified decision and just pick someone? Uh, well, it'd be easy if Congressman Collins was still there because he can be a That's great true. speaker. Yeah, but, but, in the, but in the meantime, Look, the choice is Hakeem Jeffries or a Republican. And Hakeem Jeffries is a socialist, cashless bail, radical Democrat from Brooklyn. So we won the popular vote last November nationally, but we only got a, you know, a five-seat majority. We need a bigger majority, and we need, because when you look at it, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden in the polls. The Republicans uh, only have 11 members of the Senate up. There's 22 Democrats, and Democrats are losing in places like Arizona, uh, 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 Ohio. Uh, uh, you have state Montana, West Virginia. So we could, we're could we probably going to take the presidency and the Senate, and we need to pick a speaker that can take the fight to Hakeem Jeffries and the socialists, because their real goal is to derail the investigation of Joe Biden. What what James what Congressman Comer has done in Kentucky just Friday they had the story about two hundred thousand right. dollars in cash 
from James Biden going to his brother, the president, and he's got this multi-million dollar mansion in Rehoboth, and he was living on his senator's salary. I mean, come on. What kind of, you know, he's taken millions of dollars from the Chinese, the, the Biden family. So this is all about trying to do a deal to get rid of the investigations about Joe Biden so that, so that you know, basically they can retake you know, retake Congress and, and basically sandbag us all that they're not that corrupt and they're not that radical. And the American people right now, the last poll we had, Republicans were winning the generic ballot for Congress. We need to pick a Republican so we can make sure that contrast holds right through next year. Those are some interesting theories there, John. Uh, Congressman, I want to play something for you. Uh, Senator McConnell said this about Iran, because we're talking about Hamas. We talk about the Middle East, and you have to talk about Iran. Take a listen to what he said. There's an axis of evil in the world, China, Russia, North Korea, and Iran. And we need to stand up to the axis of evil, not try to do business with them. So... There has been some concern around equating Putin with Hamas. Now, of course, when Trump was in office, we had peace. He knew how to talk to people, even controversial leaders. And several polls, John McLaughlin, we have you here so you can verify this too as well, show that Trump right. is still crushing the field among other GOP candidates. And one poll even showed Trump beating Biden in five out of seven swing states. So I'll ask you, Congressman, as well as you, John, but you, Congressman, first, do you think now foreign policy will become a game changer in the 2024 election? Uh, yes, and it should have been a game changer since Afghanistan when we tucked tail and run and left everything in Afghanistan. This is not a new topic. Joe Biden's appeasement policy has been all over the world, and we've seen it happen time and time and time again, whether it be from energy prices, whether it be our Afghanistan withdrawal, or, or right now, whether it is this sort of wait-and-see attitude that we're seeing about Iran. Be very clear, okay? China, Russia, very clear threats. We have the Russia threat that's been going on the, the war that we have in Ukraine right now. You have China, who is stirring the pot, enjoying every bit of this because it keeps the rest of the world distracted. And But all along, I have said you need to watch the Middle East, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, Lebanon, Syria, all these, because this is where it stirred up the most. And Iran is the one funding this. Do not make any mistake. If this war exceeds the, beyond the borders of Gaza and Israel, where we're at right now, it will be because of Iran and the thugs in Iran who are putting the money behind the thugs and terrorists of Hamas and Hezbollah. This is where it's coming from. And now you're also seeing it in Yemen. Here's my big concern, though. It's been reported publicly. There have been attacks on our bases. There have been attacks around our embassy. And what have we done about it? Again, not much is said about it. The media is not talking about it. The Biden administration is not talking about it. These are all real world issues that need to be looked at right now. Is foreign policy going to be a part? Yes, it should have been from day one. Joe Biden has been a disaster. But we've got to also make sure this is why this issue in the House has to get resolved so that there can be some uh, function to what our response is. Absolutely. And McLaughlin, to you, 20 seconds. Well, I'd say uh, Congressman Collins, who actually served in Iraq, he knows what he's talking about. And the best president was Donald Trump, who was the commander in chief and, and kept the world at peace, at least for Americans, that our enemies feared us. And we were able to we were able to, to to keep them contained. Right now, Joe Biden is the Neville Chamberlain of the 21st century. <laughs> and God help Israel and God help America that he doesn't get us in a bigger conflict. God help us the all. The gets it right. That's right. Congressman Collins, John McLaughlin, thank you both.
Major concerns for America's safety grows, as you've heard us talking about, as threats to our national security become apparent amidst proxy wars. When we come back, we will speak to former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick for his insight. Stay with us. Newsmax shoots it straight. No talking down to me. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. Don't tell me how to think. I trust Newsmax. Newsmax. They don't tell me how to think. They let me decide. Real news for real people. Recently, we've seen rocket and UAV attacks against uh, bases housing uh, our troops in Iraq and Syria. We're concerned about potential escalation. Uh, in fact, uh, what we're seeing is a is the prospect of a significant escalation of attacks uh, on our troops and uh, our our people throughout the region. And that was Secretary of Defense Lloyd Austin there explaining the threats to our troops abroad. He announced also in a press release late Saturday night that he was deploying the USS. Eisenhower to the Persian Gulf, as well as sending more missile defense systems to the region. It's very clear that our national security is now at risk and our administration is seemingly aware of the potential threats. Yet, what is really being done to, to protect us? And where does that leave America? Former NYPD Commissioner Bernie Carrick, he knows all too well how to deal with terrorists, uh, specifically during uh, 9-11. Welcome to Greg Kelly Report, sir. Thank you. Commissioner, Secretary of State Antony Blinken's concern, uh, clearly a valid one. You know, he's worried about a proxy war against the United States because we're seeing one beginning to take shape. Take a listen to this. How concerned are you about Iran trying to escalate this war? We are concerned. Uh, in fact, we expect uh, that there's a likelihood of escalation, escalation by Iranian proxies directed against our forces, directed against our personnel. Uh, we are taking steps to make sure that we can effectively defend our people and respond decisively if we need to. So now we have Austin talking about the troops. We know about a proxy war, the attacks on our bases and then by Iran. And then now we're, we're hearing this about a possible escalation. What do you think about all of this, Commissioner? You know what, Lydia, uh, it, they've got to be complete idiots if they're not prepared and not thinking about Iran as a primary focus right now. On November 4th, we're going to celebrate the 44th anniversary of the taking of the U.S. Embassy in Tehran. Ever since then, whether it was the 83 bombings of the, uh, the uh, barracks, the Marine barracks, uh, the USS Cole, Kenya and Tanzania, 9-11, um, the aftermath, all the, the Al-Khobar Towers in Riyadh. Iran has had its name in, in and around every one of these things. And if they weren't directly involved, they were funding people that were. If, if we don't get that by now, you know, when, when uh, they talk about the access of, of evil— um, this is, uh, Iran is the primary for us in the United States, whether it's Al-Qaeda or Hezbollah or Hamas, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, all of them, every single one, and many, many more, Al-Shabaab and Somalia, every single one of them have funding coming from Iran. And until we stop Iran from doing this, 
sanction them and physically stop them, this this stuff is going to continue. Wow, it is really frightening to to talk about this because Iran, they're, it's not Hamas. They they are very wealthy. It's a very wealthy country, and we saw that when the attack happens on Israel, they were cheering. They were cheering in in Iran. They call us. They call the United States big Satan. They call Israel little Satan. So it's no surprise that we're seeing hate crimes against the Jewish community all over the country on the rise. We've seen these anti-Israel rallies popping up all across the country here in New York City. There was one just the other day. They had to close off the street in front of the studio here. Uh, but in New York City, also a Jewish deli, someone drew a swastika on a building. The Department of Homeland Security is warning about an increase in anti-Semitic attacks. But I want you to take a listen to this when the Biden administration is, is asked about this. Take a listen. This level of concern right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism in light of everything that's going on in Israel. So a couple of things. Um, look, um, uh, we have not seen uh, any credible uh, threats. I know there's been always questions about uh, credible threats. Uh, and so I uh, just want to make sure that that's out there. But look, uh, Muslim and those perceived uh, to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate uh, number of hate-fueled attacks. <laughs> we talk. We ask her about anti-Semitism, and she talks about Islamophobia. Yeah, I, you know what? Uh, it, nobody can explain what she's. You know, you can't even comprehend what she's talking about. Here's what I do know: she needs to talk to the FBI, and the FBI needs to explain to her and the White House about the chatter that's out there now. They need to explain to her about the increased chatter and the increased possible threats against the country internally. We've let 60,000 people that we know of, these are people that we know of, come across the borders from target countries, Afghanistan, Iraq, Syria, and others, 60,000. We don't know where they are. We don't know what their intent is. Well, nobody's monitoring them. And I promise you, there are people that came into this country out of that 60,000 that want the demise of the United States the demise of Israel, the demise of Christianity, just like Iran calls for every single day. Absolutely. If, no, if they don't get that by now, I don't know what, what, uh, what it's going to take. I don't know either, Commissioner. Thank you so much for being with us this evening. Thanks, Lydia. As the war in Israel, it rages on, concerns rise over the security of our own country. With the southern border, it's wide open with terror watch list individuals streaming through, as you heard Commissioner Carrick talk about. Up next, we'll go in depth on this. We're speaking with Mayor Bill Wells from El Cayon, California, and former acting CBP Commissioner Mark Morgan after this. people just last month on the FBI terrorist watch list coming across our border. More than 160 have done it this year, a record breaking. When we're looking around the Middle East and the uprisings popping up around Europe and others, they could be sleeper cells right now in America, but this administration hasn't done nothing to change what's happening on the southern border. All they're doing is letting more 
More illegals come in, and with the ongoing war in Israel, which is our strongest ally, it's now more important than ever to secure our southern border because we could be next again. Millions of military-aged men from all over the world continue to pour into our country, and now Customs and Border Patrol estimates that more than 18,000 gotaways have illegally entered the U.S. in the last 16 days alone. Also since Biden has taken office, there have been 276 people on the terror watch list that have have been apprehended at the border. Meantime, blue states have continued to encourage illegal immigration by enticing them with free hotel rooms, cell phones, clothes, food. And now California's Governor Gavin Newsom, he announced that Mexican citizens can pay in-state tuition because basically they're legal residents. El Cayon, California Mayor Bill Wells, he's been very outspoken about this issue. He joins us now live. Also with us, former acting CBP Commissioner and Heritage Foundation visiting fellow Mark Morgan. Gentlemen, thank you so much and welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. Thank you. Thanks, Lydia. Mayor Wells, I'll start off with you. Uh, Gavin Newsom, he signed into law a bill that means Mexican citizens who live within 45 miles of the border will be able to pay in-state tuition. What are your concerns over this? I mean, he's basically giving them a citizenship. This is, this is kind of crazy. Well, you know, first off, I think that this is California's reach out to globalism and the idea that borders don't matter. And I think that mirrors what the federal government's doing. Obviously, uh, borders don't matter at the southern border. Uh, but this is just more deafness to the plight of, of the average American citizen who wants the government to take care of their needs and not the needs of Mexican nationals. Absolutely. And and Mark, I want to go back to the terror watch list. 276 people that we know of, right, because we talked about the gotaways. They were apprehended at the southern border. Uh, should we be more concerned with everything happening in the Middle East? You heard McCarthy talking about it there, about sleeper cells being activated. And I was also reading that the majority of people now coming across the border, they're not even Mexicans anymore. Yeah, that's correct. And former Speaker McCarthy is absolutely right. I've said for a long time, this is why border security is synonymous with national security. And he's right. I believe there could already be a sleeper cell in the United States planning the next Paris attack. And let's keep in mind, one of the issues with Israel that we saw, this was a colossal intelligence failure. I don't mean that for attribution, but either they didn't have the intelligence or they failed to connect the dots. Lydia, this is what we know right now from our intelligence. May this year, the director of the FBI said that Hezbollah, Hezbollah right now is continuing to pursue long-term contingency plans here in the United States to do us harm. Before the October 7th attacks to Israel, DHS right now said they are concerned about terrorists exploiting our wide-open southwest border. Just two days ago, a CBP intelligence office from San Diego put out a memo internally said that they were also concerned about foreign fighters exploiting our southern border inspired by the terrorist attack in Israel. We have the intelligence. We know. And leading to your point, the last 34 months, 1.6 million known gotaways from 180 different countries, hundreds and hundreds, who knows how many illegal aliens on the terror watch list are among the 1.6 million, as well as special interest aliens among the 1.6 million. I say it's not a matter of when the threat comes to our country. Lydia, it's already here. 100%. It's already here. And here in New York City, we're seeing a lot of illegals everywhere. And in the one hand, they say, come on in. And then on the other hand, they say, you know, Mayor Adams here is we can't take it anymore. Mayor, tell us what's going on in California, in your city, because this is not sustainable to have an open border, is it? 
No. In the last few weeks, we've seen 22,000 people dropped off on the streets of San Diego. These are not like the old days when they used to take them and, and send them around the country to people that were waiting for them. These are people that just dropped off on the streets. There are three stations in San Diego County, and my city is one of those stations. And they just drop people off. They have no idea where they're going. They don't have cell phone charge. They don't know where they are. They oftentimes don't speak the language. And, you know, because California has decided to make homelessness legal or, or very accessible in California, the homeless shelters are all full. The hospitals are all full. The schools are overrun. Uh, this is really unacceptable and unsustainable. And, and I agree with the commissioner that we are waiting for a terrorist attack. It's um, very concerning to all of the mayors in this local area. And I think we're just uh, waiting on pins and needles for something bad to happen. Right. It's not if, when. Mayor Wells, Commissioner Morgan, thank you both. Thank you so Thanks, much. Buddy. The Democrat Party reveals its true colors with radical and anti-Semitic behavior leading to anti-Israel protests all over the country. Up next, we'll discuss this alarming trend taking over our college campuses. You're watching Greg Kelly Reports. The new Democrat Party has gone to the extremes. Definitely not your father's Democrat Party anymore. They are now radical, anti-Semitic, and with the face of that movement, none other than the squad. Members Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, Cori Bush, all of them continue to accuse Israel of being occupiers. The dropping and deployment of white phosphorus, which is also a war crime, it is un unacceptable to think that 1,700 ch Palestinian children alone, that their deaths will somehow make up for or justify the violence of what we saw on October 7th. Nobody's saying it would justify it, but Israel has a right to defend itself. Now, AOC expressed her pro-Palestinian views in trying to create a false equivalency between those murdered and massacred. I mean, babies beheaded by Hamas and Israel and the results, again, of Israel simply trying to defend itself. Can you imagine if that happened here in the United States and we're just supposed to not do anything about it? I mean, this anti-Israel narrative, it's now spreading uh, from the halls in Congress to several higher education institutes across across the country to, to even Harvard. Let's talk about this. Let's bring in spokeswoman, Make America Great Again, Inc., and Newsmax contributor and former assistant press secretary, Caroline Levitt. Also with us, former acting U.S. attorney general and author Above the Law and podcast host, Liberty and Justice, Matt Whitaker. Thank you both for joining us tonight on Greg Kelly Reports. Great being with Thanks. you. Caroline, I want to go to this. Our Newsmax correspondent, Daniel Cohen, he pressed Senator Lindsey Graham about anti-Semitism from the squad. And take a listen to the testy exchange. Rashida Tlaib, she still has a tweet up condemning Israel for a hospital attack. We are here together not to talk about the problems at home, which are many. It's a fair I've question, I've got my Senator. own view of what to say. You're but not going to screw this up. I'm not trying to screw it Get up. Get this guy out of here. Now, let I me live tell here. You. I'm an Israeli. I want an answer to the question. Please. I'm an American. And I am too. And I believe in free speech. I don't believe what the squad has to say Thank at you. all. But I came here with Democrats and Republicans to let everybody in the world know, don't judge every Democrat by the squad and don't judge every Republican by some of the things you hear. 
Now, we have a right to free speech, but you also have a right to face the consequences of that free speech. Caroline, what do you think? I think Rashida Tlaib and AOC plus three, the squad, as I like to call them, have spoken for themselves. They have taken the side of Hamas terrorists in this fight against Israel. There is no uh, moral uh, equivalent here. These, this is a war between terrorists and children, terrorists and innocent men, women and uh, Israeli citizens. And it's, it's unacceptable that this type of rhetoric is coming from the halls of Congress. And it's sad that it's permeating every institution in this country. You mentioned higher education campuses in addition to Hollywood. How many people in Hollywood have we heard speak out against the Hamas terrorists and say that they firmly stand with Israel? And it's not just Rashida Tlaib in the Democrat Party. It's also right down the street on Pennsylvania Avenue coming from the White House. Joe Biden goes to Israel and he announces that he's going to send $100 million in humanitarian aid to the Gaza Strip and says, oh, if Hamas takes that money and diverts it, really? We're going to give these barbaric terrorists another chance to divert aid and steal money? They already cut the heads off of babies. We should not be giving them that chance. And so the Democrat Party needs to be strongly called out for their anti-Semitic views. And we need to stand strong with our ally Israel. Absolutely. Matt Whitaker, we just have about a minute left on your thoughts mm -hmm. on the squad and their anti-Semitism. Yeah. Yeah, well, let's let's put this in the context of really what's going on here. You know, Hamas is a proxy for the country of Iran. So is Hezbollah. So are the Houthis in Yemen and Syria has been corrupted by Iran. And so this is, you know, the people that are rallying uh, in support of Hamas uh, is are really rallying rallying in support of Iran, who is really, you know, quite frankly, our enemy. And we need to start to call this out understand that Iran is the, the whole reason for all of the conflict, really in much of the Middle East. Uh, and, you know, this is something that, that when you support these types of radical groups, you need to own the whole thing. You can't, you know, sort of suggest that somehow you're only for a free Palestine. I mean, the, you know, the, the bottom line is, is that Hamas, Hezbollah, and all of the radical extremists don't want peace. They don't want Israel to exist. They want to wipe it off the face of the map. Right. And, you know, quite frankly, if we're being honest, they want to wipe the United States off the face of the map, too. Absolutely. And that's why, you know, your previous segment about the illegal immigration is more is equal concerning because these things are all related. If you're anti-Israel, you're anti-American as well. They right. want to build a whole new uh, kingdom on the rubble of the United States and Israel. Thank you so much, Matt Whitaker and Caroline Levitt, for being with us this evening. We'll be right back. You're watching Greg Kelly Reports. And that'll do it for us. Greg Kelly will be back tomorrow. I'm Lydia Serrani. Trust and remember that God is with you in always, always. The Right Squad is up next.